What's happening, y'all? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today, we have husband, father, um, athletic director No, 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 just head, no. Program, program director. Head. There we go. Program head of Harvard-Westlake basketball, state open division champions here in California where the toughest hoop is played. I don't care who else thinks they're good. Atlanta, Texas. No. <laughs> California, Dave Rubibo. Thank you. Appreciate Welcome you having me, Thank you. Um, here we talk hoop, we talk culture, we give the people the real so we can help them develop their game. So we already start the show off with our wall of hoop movies. Best best movies of all time, but what's your favorite hoop movie and why? A, a lot of good ones up there, but I, I have like a little thing with a couple of them. The Air Up There was probably the first movie I saw where I was like, man, that's amazing. Like culturally, like this whole basketball thing is, is it's worldwide. Kind of opened my eyes. Blue Chips was like, is that really college basketball? Is that really what that's about? <laughs> right, right. Uh, and then, you know, he got game, which was like, wow, if you're really good, man, things, you know, things can open up. So I think those are my, th those are my three. Um, the one, the one that, that if I, you know, if I had to be honest, my wife and I probably love is love and basketball. So I'll go yeah. love and basketball yes. for the, uh, just got done with high school AAU season, so we're going with the wifey and going love and basketball. Smart man, keeping it, <laughs> keeping it at home. Now, would you be in a position to where you could support your wife if she was a WNBA player and retire from the game? That's what he did at the end of the movie. You're right, you're right, you're right. I mean, living in California now, I don't know, with two kids. Oof. Uh, I might have to still do some things here and there, but I would be full, fully supportive. All right, now, are you going to beat her when she plays you for your heart? Uh, I'm beating her in everything we do. You Monopoly, I, it doesn't like, matter. Exactly, I love this competitive spirit. It does not matter. That's, you have to, that's how you build it. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. So, uh, just coming off AAU, um, after a busy June with... High school, what was it like just being on the uh, EYBL circuit and you guys played in the pit, won the pit? Uh, what was that experience like? You know, um, the, the, the uniqueness of the EYBL is the, the talent level and the, um, the competitive nature of just the, the league. You're playing for something and it kind of, and it matters. Mm. Um, it's not just another game. It's not just, it's very similar to your high school season. Minus the um, preparation and, and continuity and chemistry. Um, but there's also some really great coaches uh, who do a lot of great things. And I find myself going to extra games and watching games on Synergy getting better. Yeah. Using things. Um, watching how things get manipulated and trying to figure out how I can coach that, teach that, and use that, so to yeah. speak. So uh, from that standpoint, it's great. Um, we, had a, we had a good group. Um, we got dealt with a lot of injuries early on in the AAU season. Um, which kind of had our roster in fluctuation, but it was great. The guys bounced back, and uh, winning the PIT was great. Um, you know, we beat some really good teams along the way, and uh, anytime you win and you finish your, your last game on a W, it's never a bad thing. Absolutely. Who was the toughest opponent that you've seen? Um, I want to say, who, who was the toughest player that you played against that during the sessions and the pit? Uh during the sessions, Team Thad, Jaden Quintins, uh, was a monster. Yes. Uh, he was unbelievable. And, and he had a bunch of really good guards. We talked about that game. They just played. Um, you know, one of the things that, like, I value is toughness. And when guys just play, they don't worry about the refs. They don't worry about the score. They don't worry about what's what they're, what the stands are doing or any like. I mean, there were moments where we were, we were hacking guys and those guys just got back up and like, okay, free throws, let's go, dapping each other. And, you know, sometimes there were some hard fouls and like, 
you can see guys like get upset like I was a heart man. What are you fouling me for? Or whatever. It's just like, you Let's know. Go. So um, yeah. th- their toughness and their ability to be next play oriented, yes, was so impressive to me. Um, in the pit, I was pretty impressed with um, Team United. Uh, they just played with so much energy. They had size, some length, shooting, yeah, quickness. Um, we were down like sixteen uh, yeah. in the second half. Came back and won. Um, so that 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 team was really good, and I, and I was pleasantly surprised with them. No, absolutely, I, I watched a lot of you guys' games, and it's just amazing to me the level of competition yeah. and the coaching at that level. Right? People think that you know all the talent is thrown together, so you can just roll the ball out, and whoever has the most talent wins. But it's almost the opposite. It's like so much talent that the short amount of time that you have for practices and in between games and. The preparation, like you said, is actually that in-game coaching and the connection that you probably make off the court that we don't see is what carries you through those events. No question. You know, uh, one of the best things uh, Reggie and, and obviously Russ with Why Not Do is, is integrating high school coaches to coach the teams and bringing staffs around them that support that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, we're having team meetings in the morning before games, team meetings at the end of the day, talking about the day, talking about what's coming next. And, and being able to, to discuss things and invest time so that things work out, you know, and, and things are, are progressive um, because everything is on the fly. And yeah. you do have to be sharp and you do have to be ready to, you know, to move along. But, like, there were a couple of times this year in the pit where I call a play and coaches yelling out what's happening. And I'm, like, looking like, this guy really, oh, man, we, <laughs> a real full scout. scout, here we go, <laughs> you know. But then I'm, you know, and then on the flip side, I'm watching their games right, and doing the same, same thing. So it's like. Uh, you, you got to respect it. Uh, you got to appreciate it, and uh, it, it keeps you on your toes and keeps you getting better. One of the best things with the EYBL for me is I get to play with things, offensive concepts that we want to try and integrate, uh, some defensive concepts that we want to try to integrate. It just helps me teach them and gain a better understanding of what works and what doesn't, even if the rules are a little bit different. Right? Is there a difference in how you coach the high school team versus, uh, you know, the why not? Yeah, you know, like. Obviously, in high school, um, I think our players would attest that practices are, I'm a different guy in practice. People may see a calm guy who just every once in a while gets animated or upset in games uh, for the high school season, but I'm coaching every single thing in practice, trying to prepare us for that. Um, You don't get as much prep time with AAU, so I've got to coach things on the fly, but I've also got to understand that these guys are who they are. Like, I'm not changing this in three months. Like, um, if you're a really talented shooter, I'm not making you a multidimensional scorer in four months. I may do some things that help you get to spots, um, but your your job in executing, that's on you at that point. And I think uh, understanding that's really important. Not trying to fit a a round peg in a square hole, right, so to speak. You kind of just have to let it, if this fits, okay, let's, let's use this. Let's try to advance it and make it as progressive as possible, but let's let it be what it is. Let's not try to hammer that thing in there if it doesn't work. Um, so I think that's really important. That's kind of helped me in my player relationships along the road and helped me become a better coach. Absolutely. I think when you get to that grassroots level and understanding uh, the game and what you're developing in them, that love for the game as well. What do you do to to get these guys to understand that some, this is the beginning of the road for some of them, right? They feel like they're at the end of their career, and you know, oh, they all say, oh, thank you AAU for everything. Like, 
If you really want to be a part of this game, you're just starting. What what do you, what are you teaching them uh, life wise and character wise? You know, f- first and foremost, um, at the high school level, it's character, accountability, and 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 work ethic. Like those three things are just staples, right? I carry those three things in the club, um, and, and to add and to kind of bring it all together, if you're doing those three things and you're trying to do the things that the coaches are asking you, you're on your way to becoming a winner. Everybody needs a winner. Yeah. Be a winner. Like mm. It is the number one thing that is said throughout our program from top to bottom. And, you know, it, it, it amazes me when I talk to a lot of people and coaches that they talk to me about my players or this or that. And they never ask me, like, is he a winner? Mm. Because if we're being honest, your job's predicated on winning. Yes. So does he do the things that impact winning? Um, everyone's talented. Everyone's got skill sets, size, measurables, right? They're, they're all there. Um, are you a winner? Yeah. At the end of the day, our guys know I'm about one thing, winning. And I make that known in the AAU circuit, and I make it known in the high school deal. I want to win. You know, I go, do you like me yelling at you? No. Are you doing what I'm asking you to do? No. <laughs> well, let's let's work together. Right. Let's do this, you know? Yeah. Do you want to win? Yeah. So let's yeah. work together, you know? Um, and, and that's kind of my philosophy and, and try to, how I try and approach it. Um, I also try to get feedback from coaches about players and try to help them. Hey, look, these are the things that they're seeing right now. Go yeah. do these things. Yeah. Are they the things that I'm asking you to do? Yeah. Let's do them, you know, let's do them. And (laughs) to me, it's about connecting. Um, You know, you've got all these parallels of, well, this, well, that, my trainer, my this, my parents did this, and it's great. I I understand it. I understand why it's a part of your deal. But can that all align so that it's running parallel with winning? Yes. Because if it is, you're going to do the things you need to do. I've never had a college coach say, hey, what is the average per game? They don't care. Yeah. They're asking, well, is he a good worker? Is he a good rebounder? Is he a, a great teammate? Does he go to class? Does he show up to the weight room? Does he, does he, does he, does he? Because the rest, you know, and, and I hate to say this, but I've only had one coach in all my time ask me about a guy's percentages. Hmm. He didn't ask me about his numbers. I mean, his, his, his production. He wanted to know percentages. Hey, what's his three-point free throw field goal percentages? And yeah. I was like... Oh, man. There's a reason you just won a national championship. Um, ah, there you go. So, you know, anyways. Yeah. Man, the, the details, right? Those, that's, that's why you won a national championship. How did you get to understanding what winning was? So now let's talk about you and your journey. How did you get to what winning was? So now you could talk to kids, hey, I want to win. And you have, you know, you got the trophies in the rings to prove that, right? So how did you begin that journey and get the kids to buy in that early in your career? You know, um, as a young player, I didn't have, we didn't have the social media component. It was kind of like, go and play. Go play at Shoot Park. And, and, you know, mom and dad, can I go to Shoot Park? No. Okay, I'm going to ride my skateboard. Cool. Okay, bye. And then you play and you lose a game and now you're sitting for 45 minutes. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I got to be home at this time. It started to make me a little crazy competitive. Because I'd be like, 
rebound and start kind of getting animated about the things that mm-hmm. went into us staying on the court. Yes. Um, and as time went on, that was kind of the player I became. I wasn't very athletic or, or terribly skilled. I, I didn't have like a shooting coach, a ball handling coach, a this Man, or that. Uh, the luxuries. I, I, I was in the backyard playing one-on-one and trying to play with friends and hopping the fence, trying to go play at the school, local schools and things like that. Um, so I, I took value in the lessons that I was learning at the parks playing. Yeah. Um, and then as, as, as I, time went on, um, Will Burr, I was coaching in his league, who's a coach at um, Oak Park for the girls. Um, he would just drop knowledge on me all the time. Just, you know, hey, this, hey, that, hey. You need, to, you need to think about how to do this. You need to figure out ways that you can integrate these things into sure. your coaching, into your playing. And he was letting me coach in his youth league at the time. And we became really good friends. And then uh, I went to work for Russell White. And, and I got to see a different side of it. You know, Russell is very intense and, and passionate and uh, a really big-time coach, obviously, who was detailed and organized. So then I got to see, okay, well, hey, this is what it takes. But this is how you do it from an organizational standpoint, how can I mesh these things together? And I think through trial and error, um, you evolve with time and, and you kind of become you. Yeah. You know, um, I think as a young coach, um, a lot of us think we're just ready. Um, I never felt like I was ready. Mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to be Will and I needed to be Russell as an early young coach at El Camino. And eventually I took both of those and I became me. Um, which I, 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 you know, I thank them both, and obviously they've been two major um, mentors in my life. At USF, uh, when I was an assistant there, probably the greatest thing that was ever said to me um, was after a workout, and an old uh, alum of the school was there just kind of hanging out, and he came, and he goes, Dave, they don't care how much you know if they don't know how much you care. Mm. And he just walked by. And that was it. And I was just like, so I went to the guy who was working. I go, Tim, was I being rude to you, man? Was I, you know? And he was like, no. He goes, you're actually like coaching me and talking me through it. I go, was that a compliment or was that? Because I told him, and I re, re, he goes, well, I think it was. You were great. Like you were talking to me about things and being like pretty constructive, but you were somewhat hard on me, but you were coaching me through it and. He's like, I think you care. You know, I was just like, and it kind of messed me up a little bit to where I was like, okay, before I get on guys, I got to make sure I invest in some guys, you know, Mm -hmm. and make sure I'm doing what I need to do and get to know them. And like, and I found myself um, every once in a while taking a different guy to lunch. Um, We had a kid from Kansas City who I knew was far from home. Hey, let's go to lunch, man. Hey, what's going on? What's this? What's that? How's this? How's that? You know, getting to know know guys and kind of, um, and, and obviously in that time, expanding on my knowledge of the game, yeah. Rex Walters is a f- fantastic coach yeah. and we had a great staff and obviously Rex was a great player, played for Roy Williams, Pat Riley and Larry Brown, the list goes on and on, uh, playing the NBA, et cetera. Uh, and so I, I got to learn about a new level of detail and a new level of scheme and organization and mm. preparation and things like that. And I thought that all of that kind of prepared me prepared me for the road which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit um as I journeyed into Harvard Westlake but even then I had to I had to kind of figure out okay 
I've got El Camino. I've got Crespi. I've got my youth league. I've got Crespi. I've got El Camino. I've got USF. I'm at Harvard Westlake. Hmm. What works? Yes. Um, and through time, uh, you know, I knew we were gonna, we were gonna be high. We were gonna be of high character. Um, we were gonna, we were gonna deal, face, and attack adversity. We were gonna work really hard, and I was gonna provide an environment where, if you don't want to get better, this isn't the place for you. Yeah. And I think that's kind of been uh, how we've progressed through, and you know, it's why I, I feel like guys get better at our place. That's awesome. I, and so for those listening who may not know, so you uh, you worked at Elko as a head coach, right? Yep. As your first head coaching job, won two CIF titles there. Yep. On to uh, University of San Francisco. University of San Francisco, one two years. Two years there. Two years there. And then to Harvard Westlake, mm-hmm. two state titles, two CIF titles. Mm-hmm. Most recent this past year. Yes. So great year. Yeah. Um, great. <laughs> it was a fun year just watching everybody in Southern California in the competition and special. What you guys, what you guys did was amazing. And so uh, those championship runs. Did you see a difference in the public school versus private school? You know, comparing Elko to Harvard Westlake, and and it was a different day. You know, when you were yes. at Elko, even the public schools were a little more talent heavy. And yep. So, was your experience there? You know, El Camino was unique. Um, I, I, as an alum, I was offered the job at age 23, mm. and I was like, no, I'm not taking it. Um, the principal, Dave Fady, um, after I told the AD I wasn't taking it, called me. He was my assistant principal when I went there. Mm. And now he was the principal, and he called me, and he was like, hey, let's meet. I was like, okay. Met him. He goes, I got your back. Take this job. Mm. We're going to do this. Let's do this. Let's build a program. And I remember having to call Russell and be like, I know I told you I turned it down, but uh, I'm taking it. And he was like, well, do I get a data, you know, to (laughs) talk you out of it? Um, But um, it was, you you know, I say this all the time um, at Harvard Westlake, and I used to say at USF. I was the janitor. I mopped and swept the gym every single day. I set up on game days. I tore down on game days. I had to fundraise. I was our video coordinator. Hmm. I had to do snack shack setup, buy, purchase. I organized our weightlifting programs based on what we could afford and hiring people and trying to do everything that we could to maximize our guys' time and give them a one-stop shop Um, while trying to maintain gym time and all these kinds of things um, so that we we could provide that one-stop shop. And yeah. it's it's challenging, man, um, but it made me better. Yeah. Um, on top of, you know, uh, during that time, LAUSD wasn't hiring teachers, so I had to, uh, I would do like private lessons in between yeah, practices. So yeah, what were you doing for a Oh, job, I was man. grinding. I would do private <laughs> lessons, clinics. I was coaching in youth leagues. I was doing everything. I was working little morning shifts um, at different places. Um, it, it, I was grinding as a 23-year-old and trying my best to just build a program. And, and my first year, we went 9-21. and 21. Oh, my goodness. 9-21. and 21, And I was like, yep, I need to go into construction or something because <laughs> this isn't, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, you would have been a great construction worker. You work hard, you're organized, like it'd be some nice houses being built. My my dad disagrees with you because when I told him I wasn't going to be in construction, he's like, good, you're not built for this. (laughs) Um, but 
you know, so then uh, we had the same group back the next year. Uh, we graduated like one or two guys. Oh, nice. And we just went to work. And, and I just said, hey, I'm not, I'm not worrying about this. I'm not listening to that. We're going to do this the way I think it needs to be done. And we went from nine wins to 16 wins. Nice. Um, and then the next year we won 17 games, I think. The next year we won 21 and then 24. And then we got a great crop of freshmen in. Um, and we slowly were starting to get those guys. And I just kept thinking to myself, like, we're, we're there. We're, the, road, the road has been paved. Let's just get them on it. Let's just get them and let's keep, keep pushing them forward. And sure enough, we just got better and better every year until... How many years were you uh, there in t before you won the title? My We won the title my third year and my sixth year. Third and sixth. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So third and sixth is Division like, two and then Division one. Nice. So you built, a, it sounds like you built it up from the younger guys. Yes. And then won one and then probably had to hit reset and won it again. Who, were, who, was, who was on that first uh, CIF championship team? Who were your guys? <sighs> There's Trey Holden, Tim J. Singleton. Um, gosh, who else was on that team? Delario. Um, man, that team was a bit of a blur. Um, <laughs> who was our point guard on that team? I think Malik Haynes was young on that team. Julian Richardson was a young guy. Uh, Anthony, there's a kid named Anthony like Reyes. Um, anybody still playing basketball? I don't, I don't think so. Okay. Evan War Evan Wardlow would be one, but he was on that next year where he I think he came in the next year with Malik and Julian, okay, yeah. um, which ended up having me Michael Thomas and all those guys Julian Rochelin, Kelton yeah. Conway that that group was the okay we got something here yeah. you know where I think we can compete with anybody at yeah. that point um, and sure enough they did. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know Mike works with me now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Full it's, circle is just cool to hear the stories and the time you had and um yeah no and so that second time around what was it like between those years that you weren't winning you you had you read you reached this pinnacle of hey we got the CIF title and then you had to wait you know it it, it was unique because um after we won I went to uh, I think it was Taft Westchester in the division one city section finals at I think it was at the Galen Center and I was like that's a championship game. Mm. That's that's when I can sit back and enjoy an off season, like when we do that. Gotcha. And it became my my you know the, the 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 needle moved a little bit for me, and it got me going a little bit, got my juices flowing. I felt like hey, we took steps forward, um, but I was very clear that that hey, I want to win at the highest level, the right way, and and. And we want to do it with the, the right guys who are bought in. And I want to sleep well at night. <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm not, you know, no promises, no nothing. Work, let's do it. We've, we've got the foundation now. Let's, let's build this thing. And um, slowly but surely, we, we were getting there, man. And every year I would try to take on, like, I would try to call Coach McKnight at Modern Day for a game or yeah. Coach Azam or Coach Katani at the time, and I would call Coach Katani every year, like, hey, we need to get in the state preview. Please get us in the state preview. Coach, we need to get in the Fairfax Summer Classic. Yeah. Coach, we need to get that. And to this day, he's like, man, you used to drive me nuts. You know, and <laughs> I'm like. He lets you in all the events now. And now <laughs> yeah, now we're in. <laughs> and he finally let us in that. You know, I remember the first year he let us in, he had us play Orange Lutheran, who was loaded. 
uh, and we actually beat them. Uh, it was Malik and those guys, I think sophomore, junior year at Fairfax, like an 8 p.m. game. And I was like, man, they're, you know, they, they have a bunch of guys, a couple guys went to Penn State and all these places. Oh, wow. And uh, we beat them, and, and coach was like, hey, coach. You're in everything from now on. Good job. You know, and that was right. it. Okay, right. great. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all the all the bang, uh, you know, door banging helped you get through and get in. Uh, working through those. Now, what made you take that jump to college when you were successful in this high school realm? And um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, when you watch a movie and you're like, man, that's a great life. But when you're seeing a guy in the mansion and doing this and doing that. You just don't realize like what went into all that and really what's going on. Uh, I viewed co college basketball as my pie in the sky. Like I, I never got to fulfill my dreams of being a, a college basketball player at the level I wanted it to be. Um, and so coaching division one level was a dream. And I liked Rex. Um, I thought San Francisco was a unique city. I'd never, I'd never moved out of, like not that I was out of state, but San Francisco might as well be another state. Right. Um, I, I was like, this is a this is an opportunity to grow. Like I gotta take this, and uh, it presented itself. And um, I I knew they were gonna be pretty good. There were a few players who I felt like I could help them get um, along the way. And you know, our first year we finished second in the conference in the regular season. Um, we had a, we had a great run. We lost in the semifinals of the tournament uh, to BYU on a on a last second shot. Mm got to the NIT, hosted LSU. I mean, oh, nice. big time stuff that, that, I mean, I, you know, you couldn't paint a better picture. My second year, you know, we got a feel for college basketball. We, our point guard transferred to Clemson. Our uh, wing transferred to Arizona. Another kid left to uh, UNLV. Another kid went to Washington. Yeah, you were the and now we're in a rebuild. before the portal. We were the portal <laughs> before the portal. Um, and now you're in this rebuild and, and, um, it was a bit of a struggle, and uh, but I, I value the struggle. I think that's 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 real. Yeah. You know, um, everybody everybody feels good when things are good. You know, I want to see who you are when things are bad. Right. I want to see how you handle things when when they're not going your way and how you push through. And for me, I I there were dark moments. Don't get me wrong. Where I was like, man, like, this is brutal. This is tough. I don't know. And there were moments where I'm like, get better, dude. Figure yeah. it out, you know, and, and kind of, you know, find a way to help this group and find a way to help our country. Where did your resilience come from? Where do you think, what's that rooted in? You know, my family, I think. Um, my, my parents were, were middle, lower class family who my mom always had to work. My dad had to work. Um, my mom's battled health problems her whole life. And never missed a game or missed mm. anything, yeah. never would show it on her face uh, to this day. Um, you know, so I think my family's played a big part of my resilience. Um, but it's also, I, I'm by nature, I've always been a very competitive person. You have siblings? Uh, huh? You have siblings? Three younger siblings. I'm uh, the oldest. Now, now I, my dad, my family, I have a huge extended family. Okay. So I was never the oldest. I, I would... It is. Yeah, yeah, I'll get. No, that's I, I have older brothers and cousins, and then I have an older brother and a bunch of cousins, and then I have some younger ones too. But I'm, the I mean, we're all pretty competitive, but I, that's <laughs> definitely where that edge came oh, from, yeah. right? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. It plays a uh, huge part. So I think that's always kind of played a role. But then I'm always, for whatever for whatever reason, people have told me, "Hey man, you're a really good shooter." I'm like, "Well, I got to work on my ball handling then." 
Hmm. Why are they talking about, you know, hey, you've, you, you're, you've got it, done a good job in your reading and your English and writing and this and that. Well, is my verbal not very good? Like, you know, <laughs> should I, do I need to work on how I speak and how I handle Like, I've always been that guy that's hmm. like, well, what are they not talking about? Let me fix that, you know. Um, I don't know why. Um, my wife probably is not a fan of it. Uh, I'm not a fan of it a little bit. Like, do, are you enjoying your championship right now? Like, did you enjoy it for a little I, bit? I enjoyed it for a couple weeks. I okay. Yeah, I had a couple weeks. Like, I, at times it was overwhelming because, I mean, we were doing, like, some interviews and stuff. Channel 11, I was going on CBS Sports. I'm like, yeah. what is going on here? You know? I mean, I, we had Meta World Peace come check it out. He was like, can I hold the trophy for a second? I'm like, here you go. <laughs> That's awesome. So there were some great moments, but um, yeah, you know, it's uh, the basketball world doesn't really let you hold on to things for too long. Yeah. You know, uniquely enough. And uh, I think you have to find your, your, um, your ground level and sit there for a little bit. Then you got to start climbing because the reality is the rest of the world is. Yes. And uh, as fast as you become, uh, as fast as you, as fast as you were the hunted, you, you, you're now being hunted. Yeah. You know, as, as you were hunting for a long time, but now, yeah, we're the hunted, and and we're getting everyone's best shot. And you know, it's yeah. There's a few teams where it's like you're literally getting everybody's best game because they wanna they wanna defeat Goliath, right? And you you become that because of the consistency in it. You know, I didn't know that you were at Elko that long and and doing all those things. Um, I moved to the Valley in 2007, but I wasn't involved in the basketball yeah. until 2011, 2012 right. is when I like really started jumping on the basketball scene here in the Valley. So um, to know all that and see all of it and to see where you are today, it makes a lot of sense because the grind was there. And it's just, just like you take a player, like, hey, you got to get in the gym first and do this base work before you get the rings, the trophies, the offers, and all those things. So No question. Um, congratulations. I'm going to continue to enjoy your championship. <laughs> if you're not, <laughs> for, for at least Brady, like, and, and uh, some of the players I'm connected with, right? Um, but no, that's, I think that's awesome. The, now, decision to come back to high school. You go to college, you have this great experience, you're under a great coach, you got great mentors. I, um, I always highlight that on this show is how important it is for young coaches to have great mentors. Don't burn your bridges. Don't think you know everything. Um, use the guidance of those who came before you because you do not know everything. And I'm sure you're still learning stuff even where always. you're at. And so um, the jump back to, to high school and, and the private school sector, what, what was that decision about? I... Um, grew up in the San Fernando Valley and if you didn't know about Harvard Westlake you didn't know about basketball or schools right. like I mean it was the best school with an unbelievable basketball program um, and when I got hired at Crespi uh, as a freshman head coach and a varsity assistant I remember we would just watch them warm up and I'm like coach we're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> The personnel was there, um, you know, but Russell being Russell was a great coach and uh, had his guys playing so hard. And we had some great players too at Crespi. Um, but I just always thought to myself, like, man, that's, that's a college. Yeah. That's a mini college. Um, and uh, when I got to meet with Terry Barnum, the head of athletics, and, and the other ADs um, throughout that, the uh, interview process and things like that, 
it just seemed like such a unique space and uh, and such a special place um, that I was like, this is the best of both worlds. This is college, but in high school. Mm. Um, you've got highly motivated people here. You've got incredible resources and, and an administration that cares. Um, and so those three things were huge to me. Um, Obviously, the opportunity to come back to uh, Southern California was big, too. Um, so, so those things were always kind of there. As much as, like, college basketball was always something I was like, man, I want to be a college basketball coach. Like, it was Harvard-Westlake was always like, oh, that's a really cool place. And I'd yeah. love to get to know more about that. That, that place could be special. Yeah. Um, and it, it was everything and more. Yeah. No, it's awesome. I, I think you've added to the legacy of Harvard Westlake and your time there. So, your first year, you you get some dudes, <laughs> right? You get some dudes. I remember that was the first year core was ending, yep. and so Johnny Duzang and Taryn Frank, you know, those just high level eighth grade kids coming into the program. Um, you know, you just come from coaching the college world where you had some dudes as well. Was what's the big difference from coaching these high schoolers who are high level? you know, and then from college. You know, the, the, everybody in college wants to be a pro. Um, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guys who really want to be a pro, they're working out at 6 a.m., mm. they're getting their lift in, they're going to practice, and they're trying to shoot later on that night. Um, coming from that to Harvard-Westlake with really talented players, and frankly, players with more uh, uh, more potential, yeah. right? Than some of the guys that I even coached at USF, I was like, man, how do I start instilling these things into these guys because they say they want to be X? On the flip side, how do I get their parents to understand this is a marathon? Like, slow down. Yeah. So it's like speed them up, slow this part down, <laughs> and then me in the middle trying to like balance both sides. Um, and, and so that part was, was really unique for me. Um, you know, I always find it interesting, um, when I, I get educated on how to do something from a, from a parent or a coach and I'm just like, okay, like, is this what you think will prepare him for college? Like based on your experience? And it's like, well, uh, I'm like, so just, Hey, let's just let me do my job. You know, I'm right. I want to, I'm invested. I care about your kid. I want to help your kid. Yes. You know, one of my one of my favorite things like that I actually there's two things that I, I kind of do in our parent meetings now. The first thing is like I guarantee that our to our families, none of our coaches go to bed, wake up and are like, how am I going to screw this kid today? <laughs> Who's going to sit the yes. bench that how deserves gonna, to play? How am I going to find <laughs> ways to keep him on the bench? Um, I guarantee that that's not the case for any of our coaches. Right. The other thing is, um, during the pandemic, you know, uh, right before the pandemic in, uh, well, way before April of 2019, I'm my first child, my daughter, Quinn. And so then the pandemic hits in March after we have a, a great year. And, uh, you know, for a long time, she's kind of isolated. Um, one, two years old, things are starting to slow down. We're start parks are starting to open up now and mm -hmm. take my daughter to a park. And uh, she's on the thing, and you know, I'm first time dad, so I'm following her around. And a uh, little five year old's like, What are you looking at? And she was just looking at him like she hadn't seen another kid, right, you know? Right. He goes, What are you looking at? And I was like, 
let's go, Quinn. You know, <laughs> we go back out to the same spot, same interaction. He's like, what are you looking at? In that instance, I was like, where's your dad? We need to have a car. Everybody, let's go. Like, this is on, you know? Yes. But as I reflected on it later in the day, I go, this is what parents feel like mm. as it relates to coaches and people trying to or, or not doing or thinking that you're doing something not in the best interest of their son, yeah. right? You have this fit of rage and, and, you know, I try and say, like, I understand it. It's just not the case. We, we have a job to do and we're doing our job, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's work together to figure it out. And if we can do that, Man. hey, it'll be in the best interest of your son, um, so for me, th that uniqueness uh, on top of like, hey, we're preparing your son for the road, not the road for your son. Mm -hmm. um, it, it sounds pretty basic, but really yeah. think about it. Yeah, that's that's life. And the more we buy into preparing him, and the less we buy into preparing the road, <laughs> the, f the faster we're going to find success. Yes. Um, so so for me, like all of that encompassing. Um, what was a really kind of like eye-opening experience on top of learning a new school. Um, we have a, a, a real way of th how things are done admissions-wise and I think you know, um, yeah. like it's, you do it in the timely manner and great. It, it, if you're a seven-footer who's going to be a first-round draft pick and you're applying in August, you may not get in. You you're not getting you're probably in. probably not getting yeah, in. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> um, so just adjusting to the, the whole... Um, academic uh, profile, um, the, the, the schedule, creating balance for student athletes. Yeah. Um, you know, in college, you have two classes a day. You know, you're going from 10 to 12 and your day's over or whatever. And, you know, now you're a Hoover again, you know. Right. Um, that part's pretty, pretty, was pretty unique for me. Um, so, so just all of that on top of dealing with parents again and, and kind of having to nurture a little bit more and, and create um, create relationships, create boundaries again, all those little nuanced things that I think uh, are super, super important in building um, building relationships and building a program. Absolutely. I think some, you, you mentioned something that was related to that story, but I think something happened in your life that helped you understand people, our parents more as you having a kid, right? That was the biggest shift I've seen in yep. the way I coach, the way I train, the way I related to kids. Um, it's important when those coaches have kids and uh, parents used to tell me that, like, you don't have kids, do you? And I'm like, no, what does that matter? Like, <laughs> I've been around kids my whole life. I was, I was a kid. And when you get your kid and the love that you feel for them and the success that you want them to have and all of these things, it makes you sit back, take a deep breath, and, like, I have a little more patience for you coaching from the crowd. I have a little more patience. I'm not saying that you should be doing it. Parents, stop coaching from the crowd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but that that shift right and it happened right when you started winning at that level you know mm -hmm. in a private school where you know you had you were dealing with i'm sure you do deal, everybody deals every coach deals with parents who are unhappy or uncomfortable in the situation or even the parents who did support you and you still have to communicate yep. and all that for the young coaches or the coaches out there because it's it's peaceful for the most part you know, from the Harvard Westlake side, you know, I sit in every stand in, in the valley listening <laughs> to parents. Like, that's, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are you guys going through? And it's peaceful on the Harvard Westlake side. They they do what they're, you know, 
I think what supports their kid best. How do you either educate them or what are two or three things that you could tell other coaches to focus on to make sure your parents are bought in? And You know, one, one, number one thing in my opinion is when you're creating full transparency. Um, our players know where they stand. We meet, so season ends, we meet one-on-one. -on -one. We discuss the season, we discuss expectations, we discuss uh, positives, negatives, improvements. We go through it all. Okay, well, I'm very transparent. Like, hey, springtime is your time to be selfish. Go be selfish. Mm -hmm. Go work on your game. Get in the weight room. Do all the things you need to do. We meet again post-spring because by then we'll have some practices in and just some workouts and things just to keep things going, and we'll have another meeting. Hey, we talked about, here's the list. We talked about these things. How many of these things that do you think you've met? Mm -hmm. Where do you think you're at? Great. Summer ends, we have another meeting. Fall comes, we have another meeting. Um, and, and we do this because now when Johnny wants to go home and say, you know, hey, this, that, and mom's like, well, you're not playing enough. And he goes, well, I'm actually not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. There's an ownership. Yeah. Because we've given them that ownership, um, in my opinion. I think um, for young coaches, like building that relationship and rapport with your players to where there's full transparency really helps because when we have a parent meeting and he's there, you're like, hey, did we talk about this three times? Yeah. Are you doing it? No. Well, he's only saying that in front of you. I go, okay, but we talked about it four other times. Here's It's on paper. <laughs> right. Like, right. I, we can, you know, there's a point where are we arguing just to argue or are we trying yeah. to help him get better and grow? Um, because that's what I want. I'm not trying to hold him back. There's a there's a reality that if you have a roster of 14, you can't play all 14. Um, you know, you you can probably play eight or nine guys yeah. comfortably. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't get better and get what he needs. Right. Buy into that. Buy into that because you never know what can happen. Um, so I, I think I think that's incredibly important. I think. Um, setting boundaries with parents that, hey, I'm going to talk to you, but here's when I'm not going to talk to you because neither one of us are equipped to have these conversations at these points. So let's never do that. Let's never put ourselves in that situation yeah. to where you would say something or I could say something that we'll regret. Let's, let's, let's respect the boundary and, let's and then let's have a calm conversation because cooler heads prevail. Um, so I think those, those types of things um, are really important. There is a reality too. As you win, it's harder to complain. When you lose, it's a little bit easier to complain yeah. about things. Um, you know, when you get to a certain point in your career, certain complaints, you're like, I'm expecting that. Okay, okay so how do I get ahead of this? Um, and it's getting to know your people too. Um, we can all turn a blind eye and act like, well, when, he, when I get him, <laughs> I'll change this whole family. I'll change. Yeah. I'll change how they approach it. I'll change him. Don't worry. No. And and it's why, you know, um, I think uh, getting to know your families is very, very important. And Even the before they come to the school, that eighth grade year when they're showing interest and however that is, the 
school has its admission process, and I tell these families, the basketball programs now have their admissions process as well <laughs> because they want great players that fit their system. And, you know, it's kind of what, why I do what I do is like, let me make sure you're in the right place. Right. Let me make sure you're in a place where you're going to thrive. I know how this coach coaches. I know his expectations, and this is not a fit. And it's not, it's okay. Like, of course you want to go to a, the Harvard West Lakes here, Canyon, you know, top schools, whatever right. it is, right? But do you really fit there? Right. Like, don't don't understand the the real of what happens in those schools um, to get them where they're open to vision every year. That's that's work. And well, yeah. And, and I think to your point, like it's it's less about it's less about what you think and more about helping you get to a place where you're going to better yourself and the game. Yes. We, the game of basketball is in a bad place. Um, I mean, there's 24-year-olds still transferring in the transfer portal in college. Um, you know, th there's kids today talking about leaving high schools and going to different high schools. Like, and we're July 20th. I'm starting my own transfer portal for high school, just so you know. You guys Keep can me visit away my from my website, it. and I'll let you know where everybody's I want no part of it. Keep me off of it. Uh, but, you know, we need to do better for the game. Yes. Um, we need to do better for these young people who are going to be adults who aren't going to be able to just jump around and run and go wherever they want when their boss tells them, go get me coffee. Yeah. There's a reality to that, and that reality comes to everybody. It doesn't matter whether you are supreme upper class or bottom low class, like life is going to smack you in the face. You need to absorb it and yeah, learn from it and move on. And, and I think um, those types of things, those hard conversations are so important um, yeah. because it's, I, I'm okay having difficult conversations. I'm okay, I would much rather tell you the honest truth and us move forward then continue to go back and forth on, on, on a rocky road and have to deal with this throughout a three and four month span. And now I've got sleepless nights, you've got sleepless nights, and we're just, hey, we can agree to disagree. That's yes. okay. Right. That's okay. And, uh, you know, I, I think those things are so important. Like you said, th there's, there's admissions process and there's evaluations and things like that um, that, that take place. Um, but word spreads. Oh, yeah. And as much as people want to talk about coaches and, oh, well, this, or they don't win with that, or people talk just as much about parents and kids. Oh, yeah, we do. And, <laughs> and that we stuff hear. gets around fast, too. And as, as you and I have had discussions, um, it's not worth it. No, not at all. If you, I feel like there's a path of the kids who have made it to college in the Valley out of just the valley, right? Um, hasn't been that many that mm -hmm. made it to the Division One level. It feels like a lot, but per capita is really yeah. not, especially no, looking at the amount of talent that we've had out here. Right. A lot of those kids, if they didn't come from another state, I just want to say that because I think there's some special things where, hey, Sierra Canyon has some opportunities to get a BJ Boston and move from Atlanta. He was, he was going to college regardless and awesome for him and what they did, right? But... The kids that you look at in the last 10 years or so, the kids who stayed at the school for at least three years, you know, and stayed with it through the adversity. There were times where um, I remember Johnny's freshman year, frustrated with you for I don't know what. Coach Rebebo's crazy, right? And any kid, right? 
And he's just, we're just talking through it. Like, how do I deal with this? He's asking me, how do I deal with this? And I told him, I was like, well, do this now if you want to go to the NBA. <laughs> you think Rabibo's, you know, tough. Wait till you get to college and wait till you get to the NBA where you get paid for what you do. Right. And I think that was, that was end of his freshman year. And yeah. then you've seen a change in Johnny between his freshman and sophomore year, just maturity-wise, amount of time he was spending in the gym, his focus, everything shifted. And I think with Team USA, a combination of probably a year with you, Team USA, and the adversity that happened in his life where I still want to be, in the, I want to be an NBA player. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and what do you see from players like that? How do they handle adversity, right? I think you have him, the Bradys, the, you know, even the, the, the Spencer Hubbards, who's, he's on Duke. Whether, however you look at it, he's at Duke. He, he's been telling me since seventh grade, I'm going to Duke. You know, Spencer's, what, 5-1 at the time, and he's doing it. How do they handle adversity different from other players? You know, it, it's um, th those guys, in my opinion, um, come to us with a desire to be the best and compete. Um, and when you make that pact, we're locked in. Um, you want, great. I want to give you, mm. but I'm taking two. And I have expectations too of things that I want because what I want is to win. What I want to help you with is to help you be a winner. If I can help you be a winner, you're going to be a productive college basketball player. Because like we talked about, um, college coaches get paid to win. Yeah. Um, <laughs> bar none well what's the most important thing then you're a super talented guy you've got to be able to defend you've got to be able to practice really really hard at a high level you've got to be able to listen handle adversity be coached and also accept doing things you don't like to do yeah. in certain situations and in certain situations it may be passing the ball in certain situations it may be shooting the ball when you're open and when you even when, even though you're surrounded by really talented guys um it's just understanding of time and score and all these little nuanced things where you're absorbing coaching. Spencer, Johnny, Mason, Brace, yeah. Holden, um, Cam, Cameron. Cameron, Landon Lewis, Jacob Huggins, Brady Dunlap, Trent Perry, who didn't start for two years. Right. Um, and yeah, I was going to get into that next. Just this, the talent that you have up and coming. Him, uh, Hinton. Uh, oh, Nick, Nick. Yeah. Like, like Christian Ori, yeah, uh, uh, Bitto, like yeah. it is, it's crazy um, the amount of talent that you have coming in and the kids who understand the process even early on. You have kids who could probably play varsity anywhere else that are on your JV team. <laughs> they'll, be, they'll be varsity anywhere else, but they get it. There, there hasn't, there's no complaint. There is a, a buy-in to the process of, of what that looks like. And I think that's so special. Yeah. From those families, one, I want to no I want to commend those families for understanding that and seeing the bigger picture of, let me explain. Let's even talk about that. Why would kids do that? One, because they're learning from Division One players. They're learning under a Trent who learned from Cameron before that, who learned from Spencer before that, right? And now the Amir gets to learn and play against two Division One players every single day. And so when he goes, plays in the EYBL, he's ready. 
when he comes and gets time on the court during the summer, he's ready because he's experienced it. So that's why you wait because you have to be prepared. We've had multiple NBA players on this show at this point. None of them played their rookie year. <laughs> None of them. They were like, no, I was, I was in my suit. But uh, Delon and um, Darrell were yeah. on the show. And they were, uh, <laughs> he was like, we used to look for Darrell and what suit he was wearing for the game on national TV because we knew he wasn't playing his first year. It's like, yes, that's what it looks like. When you go to college, there's 25-year-olds in front of you who've, been, who've played four or five years of college basketball already. No, well, you're not going to play. Even further than that, like Jason Hart played JV at Inglewood High School. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. You know, um, and, and the list goes on and on. Yep. Um, and, and so it's, it, it, it's not, not every place is for everybody, right? Yep. Um, there, there's a reality to that. Yes. To me, I think you have to see big picture. The school, the, 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 the educational component, the people you're around, the relationships you can build every day in school for eight hours yeah I, I mean let's just go there right like that needs to be considered because those are some of the best relationships you're going to develop in your life the most organic relationships you're going to develop in your life yeah. take that own that right then from there now you look at the basketball component am i am i getting am i learning how to be functional in the training room am i learning how to be functional in the weight room Am I learning how to practice? Am I learning how to play? Am I being coached? Does my coach know who I am? Like, all of these things to me go into program. And and as I see it, like, it's not a one-size-fits-all. Because there are guys on our JV team who could have been on our varsity team. But they weren't going to play. Yep. And I need them to play. Yes. That's and I need the them to part. get better. Yes. I need them to grow. I need them to look at the time and score and understand what's going on. And the only way you're going to do that is by playing. Yep. And and so I'm 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 overt with these conversations, the transparency, you know, component. Back to that. Um, and I, and and there's a plan. Isaiah Carroll had a plan, um, you know. And and I'm starting to see that we're starting. We are starting to see that pay off. Oh yeah. And he's getting there. <laughs> yeah, very, you know, very impressive down at uh, Section Seven. He was, was very good. He, he looked like oh. <laughs> I knew you can do this like you're doing it. No, you look great. But amongst other guys. Right, and and right. the list goes on and on and on. Um, and it's it's hard in the moments. Uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard for parents who aren't professionals, so to speak, mm -hmm. um, to understand me, the professional, and what my plan and my vision is and how I'm doing things, even if I've gone over it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, as, as much as I'd love to say, like, hey, we haven't discussed this. We have. We've been transparent about it. Stay the course. It's yes. going to be okay. And I think those stories tend to be the ones who handle adversity best. Got it. And make it. And so when we talk about the cesspool of, of uh, talent in, in, not cesspool, but the, the pool of talent in, in Southern California, California, why we see why we don't see is because I don't think enough really really talented guys a get coached b are told the truth and c are put in adverse situations and forced yeah. to figure it out and I think those three things are, are harsh realities because to your point you're gonna see a 26 year old in college now 26 year old Man. is playing college basketball at the high major level because he's probably making more money now than he would be going overseas or wherever. Right. So, you know, and that's 
Brady Dunlap's dealing with that right now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And hopefully he's handling it well. He's, he's, he's handling it well. He knows what it means to, <laughs> you know, to, to, to handle that. And that's, that's I, I love basketball as um, the, the uh, metaphor for life. It's everything you deal with in basketball, you're going to have to deal with in some part of your life. And there's no better place to do it than a place that understands process and building up and to, you know, you're going to get tore down a little bit, not tore down in a negative way, but tore down in a way of being corrected mm -hmm. to be built up because you don't know everything. And so um, I, I, you know, I look up to how you keep kids in the program Thank and, you. you know, everybody has transfers, they come and they go, but the consistency of, you know, we we can follow Trent's career because he's been there. Yeah. It's going to be four years that he's been there, you know. And, man, did he get better. Yeah. Man, did he start making better decisions. And we can call out the game where he's, man, against uh, Corona Centennial. It was just amazing. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. He's, yeah, he's, he's, we knew he's a college player, but he's on a different level now. And, um just, just with all of them, uh, Brady against uh, who was that last year at down at uh, Redondo? Oh, Bishop Montgomery. Oh man, yeah. just big time shots. No, I don't know how he was functioning. He looked <laughs> dog tired. Four overtimes, three four, over, three or four. Three, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was brutal, crazy. I was trying to get back to my wife and kids, and I was like, <laughs> "It's another overtime, babe. I'm not leaving." It's, I think there's just something to that. That I think us as the adults, as the coaching staffs, have to understand and try to get our programs there where it's less of this transfer game and, and all of that. I understand kids are going to be upset, then stop over recruiting. Yes, high school coaches recruit, whatever. <laughs> we, we'll call it that day. Admissions process, however you want to say it. You know, when players interested in your school, be okay with saying, hey, you, you're more than welcome to come to our school. But as far as the basketball program goes, hey, there's four guys in front of you in that position. Be okay with saying that and instead of loading up on a bunch of talent and not allowing guys to build through that process. But at the same time, the parents put your kid in a situation where you know he's in a process to be successful. You may have to play JV. Russell Westbrook played JV. What? Like, well, there's a bunch of guys who are pros who played JV or went to a prep school or had these different journeys. High school is not the end of it. Going to high school and then going to a high major division one does not promise you to get to the NBA. No question. And it, it's actually kind of the opposite. If you really look at the statistics, it's the guys who... Well, th there's, a, there's a reality that there's just no guarantees, period. Um, you know, the, the, the fall off of the highly touted guy as an eighth grader versus the guy who wasn't versus the guy who, who became, who, you know, yeah. the, the list goes on and on. And, and it's a, a, a roller coaster of a, of a, well, there's some guys who did and some guys, yeah, of course. Like there are the, the variables and, and, and those others. Um, th there's a reality. And the reality is, is that you're a school-aged kid who needs to get a great education and build tools for your functionality as an adult. Yes. And as an evolving and maturing person. And I think somewhere along the road, those things got lost and it became about the sport and what the sport can do for me. Yeah. Well, what the sport can do for you is provide you an avenue to grow and, and do something you love. Yeah. Like one, one of the things that's like so important to me, and, and I think 
I, I really had a, a rude awakening uh, at section seven. I was walking through the parking lot and I saw two parents talking and I, I didn't know any of these interactions. They were, you know, obviously it was a national event. Two coaches, two parents talking and they were just killing the coach. Walk past them, get through the security. I'm walking towards the gate. Dad and son are talking. Dad's killing his kid about the game he just played. Mm. Keep walking, get closer. Two more parents talking about the coach. from a, And totally separate. Also, Keep walking, get down. Another parent and their kids arguing because the coach didn't do something. This was terrible. And, and I'm just like, that's five interactions of misery yeah. from a summer basketball event where college coaches are there. And all you have to do is play basketball. Standing in 110 degree weather. Yeah, 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 I didn't want to get into that. <laughs> I, I wasn't. I was not. Let me get by this. I don't want to. Our parents keep it moving. <laughs> right, right. No, I, and I, that's the thing is the, the education to the parents. This is literally why we have this is to educate the parents on, man, those one moments that they're talking to your kid about, they're not going to remember, but they will remember you screaming at them in the parking lot about something that happened on the basketball well, court. And you just never know who else is there and listening. Yeah. Um, you know, what if I was a college coach? What if, what if I'm, yes, I'm at Harvard-Westlake, but I was hired to be the next coach somewhere else. And it was going to be a college, but we just weren't announcing. And I was walking by. Well, I just saw these interactions. And if I happen to figure out who you are, I'm like, yeah. Um, because the, the, the reality, and one of the things that I actually talk about a lot, Rex was really good about things, but we would get to a point where he would be like, hey, the player's good enough. Go watch his family. And I'm like, during AAU game? He goes, yeah, watch his family. Mm. And I would literally sit there. And I'm like, not even watching the game. I'm watching the parents. Just wow. to see how they act. And I would have to take, and he'd ask for notes like, hey, how were they? How'd they handle this? How'd they handle that? Are they screaming at him the whole time? Are they yelling at the coach? Are they, and I like, would get into it like, hey, man, why am I watching the parents? Like, <laughs> I got out of high school for, you know? And he was just like, if this is how they are now, it's only going to get worse. Mm. And if that's how they are, and there's a guy that's level with their son, and his parents sit there quietly and let their son play, we're taking that kid over this kid because I got a chance with this kid. Yeah. Um, and and that those are some unique conversations that I've even had, and I'm sure Rex got that through Roy, Roy Williams, who's gotten it through his mentors, Larry Brown, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and you know, he's not the only one, but yeah, that's good. A philosophy, something that I took, because again, like I want to, I want to help your son. I want to create a program where he can get everything he needs to get and win because that helps me because I want to win too. Yeah. That's what we're in this for, you know, on top of building life experiences and development of young people, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So um, I, I just find those things to be linear um, and, and and just so important. And, and you know, touching on your, your the parent topic, like just walking through that, that parking lot, I was just like, <laughs> man... I could imagine. I I am the the I put all the fires out. I'm a, it's crazy. I want to be a firefighter. When I was growing up, and uh, I think I am now with all the opportunities I have to solve problems with these parents and the difficulties with coaches. And yeah. um, I'm in a unique position because you know I'm their trainer in middle school. Yeah. But through high school, they want to they value the information I can give them and how to handle certain situations. And it's like, yeah, you're crazy. I love saying it to parents. Hey, yeah. And I can be real with them because I'm not getting fired from my job. I don't control your kids' playing time. 
I, I, you know, I'm here for your kid. Yeah. That's it. I'm not here for you or your ego or whatever it is. And so it's, um, it's great. I'm glad they have someone to go to one and to tell them that their poop stinks and they need to fix their attitude or posture different for their kids development. But also, um, I just hope coaches are able to communicate that better with the parents in yeah. their program ultimately. So let's talk about winning. Yeah, that's what we're here for. So <laughs> we're going to go with a, a segment of our program we call Where Were You When? I want to uh, rewind back just a few months ago. You guys winning the Open Division State Championship. Man. What a journey. Um, you know, you guys lost a very close one uh, in the CIF final game. Or uh, it was, semis, yeah, like the semifinals, semis. how it's set up, right? Um, and what, what, from that point, preparing for the state championship, what changed? You know, um, it, it was such an incredible season with such an incredible group of guys. I mean, the level of commitment and buy-in and, and guys playing through nagging injuries and it, never wanting to miss a moment, uh, being present, um, so, so together. It, that, that, that component for me... Um, made it special. And I remember having a conversation. They're like, man, you're going to win 30 games. What if you don't win a CIF title or something? Is it a successful season? Hmm. And I remember sitting back like, heck yeah. yeah like, what are you, <laughs> you talking about? It's six. We won, you know, we won the mission league at that point. We went nine and zero in league. Like, heck yeah. It's been a successful season. Like, obviously you want to win that. That requires a lot, you know, and a lot of things have to fall into place. And, by the way, there's some really good teams. Like, you know, I, I remember having this conversation. Like, if Arizona can lose to Washington State at McHale, Harvard-Westlake can drop a game, you know, or, or two. Uh, you know, if the, the Detroit Pistons go into Milwaukee and beat Milwaukee, we can lose a game. So, it's basketball, and that's just the reality. And um, a lot of things have to fall in place. So, um, I, I remember, like, as we were approaching our, our playoff run and you know, we'd won our, our first game, I remember thinking like, we got to be ready, man, you know? And, and when we lost, our guys were pretty devastated. Um, but our number one thing is to be a bounce back locker room. Like we are never going to harp on what we're going to watch it. We're going to learn from it. We're going to look at it. Um, we're going to hurt. There's, there's no denying certain things. Um, but we got we had an opportunity to play a top 10 team in the country 2 days later in West Ranch and when we bounced back i was like yep this group's going to do it um and and for me that was the moment what um, does the bounce back take what 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 does that look like you know it takes honesty um it takes accountability uh and self reflection right um there there was a a two-day span where um, we were going to do things a certain way. And not that we hadn't been, but we were going to fine-tune. We were going to chase perfection because that's to win a championship, you got to be as close to perfect as possible. And for us to lose means we weren't close. And when we watched the film, we saw we weren't. Um, very rarely in the locker room post-game am I uh, holding our guys for a half hour. It's, hey, Let's bounce back. Let's take a look. Let's figure it out. Let's reorganize. Let's be ready to go tomorrow. You know, um, just because 
nothing good comes at the end of the game, <laughs> after the right, game. Right. Emotions are high, right? We have the 24-hour rule with parents. I need a, a, a 24-hour rule before I say anything, you know, yes. uh, as well to our team. So, you know, we, we try and we'll have a few little things. There'll be some honesty in there. Hey, we didn't have it. We didn't bring it. We didn't finish it, whatever the case may be. Let's bounce back. We watch the tape. We clip it. We prepare our guys. We watch practice. We watch We watch a little bit of the team we're going to play. Back at it. And and on my end it's it's how can we how can we how can we be closer to perfect? How are we gonna chase that? Um, how are we gonna attack that? Um, and, and maybe it's being a little more demanding, maybe it's riding a few guys, maybe it's getting a few more guys to ride the other guys a little right. bit, right? And, and and create a little bit of urgency as well. Um, so it, it it's a, a combination of things, but it's also based on your team. If your team is telling you, hey, we're not equipped for a rah rah yell yell. Then don't be that. Right. You know, if if they need that, you got to give it to them. You know, if they need you to sit back, great. If they're rah rah yelling, maybe you let them handle it, and you let them figure it out. You know, some of the greatest, um, the best moments in which we've come together have been player driven conversations in huddles, mm. where a guy has finally said what he wanted to say about somebody doing something and the other guy was like you're right my bad and we you know you take off uh, in those moments and so I, I think there there's a there's a there's a it's like an onion and as you kind of peel your layers you kind of realize like okay this needs to happen and when it happens obviously you start to cry a little bit because you know <laughs> the onion deal um, you know so it's just it's just that manipulation of who your team is what the what you think they need and and what what push? What motivates your team? And you know, part of the beauty of having guys for four years is that I get to really know them. I get to figure out what makes them tick, um, and also let them know. Like, and they also know me, and they know where the line is drawn. Hey, we lost. We know how we feel about that, right, guys? Let's bounce back, you know, um, and and let's grow, let's learn, let's let's improve. So um, that that was huge for us, in my opinion, coming back and beating West Ranch, then having a week to just focus on us. Yeah. Um, that was big. Yeah. Um, it was big, and, and I'll be honest, I watched the uh, Centennial Bosco Championship game, and I was, I mean, I, I, it hurt. And every single one of our guys watched it. Mm. Every single one, and they were in, we were in a group chat, and they were all talking about it, and pinging, and oh my God, this, oh, he dropped, turned it over, oh, McBride, or this, or that. And uh, I just remember sitting there like, <sighs> okay, turned it off. And I said to our guys, our run starts Monday. Mm. And that was it. Yeah. And then, you know, we had, we had the chance at Bosco, um, played a great game there, and then got to go to Centennial, and we played really well. And, and I just, I, I felt that the West Ranch game, though, for us to bounce back, knowing we weren't going to play in a championship game, like, we had a chance. We needed Bernards to beat Bosco, right. but um, knowing that there was a chance we weren't going to, but we still competed and did what we needed to do to win that game, I thought we had a chance, a real chance of winning state. Yeah, absolutely. Was, um, you know, you try to figure out how people are going to respond, right? You can watch the game, and you can see in the Bosco game there was just some effort things, right? It just looked like some effort plays, like what. What are you guys yeah. doing? It's not your character, right? It's just some effort things. And it was like, man, are they tired? 
are they done? Like they've had a long season, and yeah. we we've discussed how scheduling should go for the fall versus the winter, and you know all those things to make sure when you're going on these long runs that you're not burnt out. And you know for a moment I'm like, oh man, are they burnt out tired? Right. Like what's happening? And then you see the West Ranch game. Like, oh no, they're fine. <laughs> they just had a little lapse, mental lapse is what it looked like. And to even the energy in the championship game and the you just kept coming, yeah. just kept coming. You're like, oh, is, is Centennial going to make a run? Wait, are they? And you see it and nope, nope, Trent has an answer. Nick has an answer. It was just, and everybody just contributed. Everybody did their part and played their role. Yeah. And um, yeah, no, so congratulations Thank again, you. man. It was Thank awesome you. to see, awesome to, you know, I think as a uh, as the Valley, we have to celebrate everybody. Who's Absolutely. Out here because. We're, we're all family at the end of the day. No we're doubt. The same things for these kids and, you know, the competitive side. Coaches want to win, but, you know, congratulations on what you did there. Thank you. All right, so we're going to the next segment of our show, My Rushmore. It's your top four. Uh, the subject today is your top four unranked high school players who got drafted to the NBA. So I, I'm not quite sure, but I'm, I'm pretty sure you, you got to go Kawhi. I don't think he was ranked in the top 100 of ESPN. Gotta go with my man Russ, obviously. Yeah. Steph Curry. I mean, you could throw Paul George in there because I think he had a P night. He wasn't, you know, ended up at Fresno State. And then obviously Clay Thompson. I mean, there's more, I mean, that's five, but. Um, I think Clay was 77. Was he 77? Okay, so we'll stick with Paul George. On rivals. Okay. So like that, but okay. Okay. Yeah. So how many, four? That's four, that's your four. That's my four. That's your four. Of those four, were you able to see any of them in high school, play while they were in high school? So I saw Kawhi play um, against Taft in the, uh, I think it was CIF regional final, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe it was a CIF final. Um, I saw Kawhi. He was unbelievable. I did watch Clay Thompson pull up from half court a couple times in the game once against Modern Day. Um, Paul George, I never saw live. Um, Russ, I never saw live either. Right, yeah. Um, who else was Steph? I, I never. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. And then, could you tell that Kawhi was a pro, knowing what you know now, thinking about his game? In high so school? I remember seeing him and being like, "What position is he gonna play?" You know that that was my question. I'm like, God, he just he does everything. He's everywhere. But what position is he? Like that—that that was my thing with him. Like Clay, Clay, you're like, man, give, get him, a, get him space, and he's—it's right. a bucket. Um, but Kawhi, I remember just thinking, like, he does everything. He posts up smaller guys. He drives bigger guys. He gets his hands on everything. He rebounds everything. He guards everybody. Well, you like have size twenty hands, you get your hands on everything. You, you know what I mean? And yeah. so uh, um, I, I just remember watching that, and I was just like, he's everywhere. He is. He is driving this team crazy. He's impacting the game. But then, like, I was just like, I wonder what, he, what position is he? Like, what does he do really, really well? And that was before I think the NBA was at its current state with the, the pace and space yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, interesting. So, unranked Curry, for sure. Let me think about this. I, I actually have Dame up there. I, th- I don't think Dame was ranked at all. No, he. that's and, fair. From the mud style right there, right? Um, hmm. 
trying to get philosophical here and really get some guys who are sleepers. I'm trying to think of guys that I've worked with who may have not been ranked. Russ, he has to be on there. He has to be. Yeah, he has to. I think because he's probably the biggest success. Well, between him and Steph, to me, you know, biggest success stories of where they really came from and how they absolutely their own careers. And who was it? I think I just I just spoke with somebody, and we were talking about another player who was just why was he never ranked? Hmm. You know, man, cause I never see, I didn't see Kawhi, so I didn't know how good. He, even though that was when I moved to Kansas when he was in high school, I used to live in the IE, but. <laughs> Um, actually, I think it's Dwayne Wade. I don't think Dwayne Wade. I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's a good one. Yes. That's a good one. Who, once again, got it out the mud. And if D-Wade was ranked, then I'm going to go Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler's a good one, too. I mean, you can throw D right in there, too. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it was. I was like, man, I just heard this. So, no, that's a a good, good, Rushmore, good, good topic, like, for the kids who are out there who aren't ranked, it doesn't matter. Just keep working. I mean, you hear the word marathon thrown around so much, but it really is like run your race. Yeah. Keep your blinders on. Com- comparisons, the thief of joy. Yeah. The end line. Get to the finish line. Stop worrying about everything that's going on around you and on the sides. Just just yeah. stay on that path, man. And I think a lot of kids want to be Steph Curry, right? He's one of the... The guys that people, you know, we want to be like Mike or, you know, mm-hmm. that's pretty much it for our generation. We want to be like Mike, you know, <laughs> these other dudes. And for them, it's Curry. And it's like, okay, if you want to be like Curry, then only have one school recruit you. That's a division one. Go there and be there for two years, three years, three years. Four, I think. Was he there all four? I think he was there three. All three. Junior, he went, he left his junior year. Go there for three years and then go to the NBA, get drafted uh, after Johnny Flynn. No, not to Johnny Flynn, yeah. but where are they now? And then get your ankles hurt your first two years, and then become Steph Curry. Like, that's his real journey, not this, oh, he's a little guard and nobody believed in him, so he just shot, shot, shot. No, he went through his journey, whatever that looked like for him. So you can be on JV as a freshman, top eighth grader in the country. You can play six-man on varsity as a senior and still make it. So, I, I yeah, great, great topic because... Uh, that's near and dear to I think it's what this is yeah what, what the basketball is about all right so now we're on flip the script two questions for me you are now the interviewer I'm the interviewee two questions for me anything in the world. I love it here we go um, first question that I have is as you go through your day interacting with parents dealing with coaches what is the most challenging component of being the middle guy in trying to help the game of basketball? The most challenging component. Honestly, last night, I am just getting home. My, my daughter's in summer camp right now, so she likes to stay in summer camp like the whole time, so we gotta pick <laughs> her up late, which leaves us only a couple hours to spend time with her, right? My wife watches my son, she's stay at home, she's with my son all day. So when I get home, I wanna spend time with my family. And I get phone call number one, misunderstanding from a coach, something was said to a kid that probably shouldn't was shouldn't have been said to a kid, it wasn't nothing disrespectful, but it was something that should have came to the parent first, and I'm the one to handle it. 
Okay, so my daughter is in the process of, oh, let's go play in my room. I'm playing Pokemon in her room. <laughs> but I have to take this call because of the urgency. Hey, do you have a moment? My wife's on the line too. Dang, okay, this must be serious. Could it have waited? Probably. Hang that up. All right, I'm walking back out. Come on, let's go finish, finish playing po. Hello? Hey, so-and-so's thinking about leaving the school. Do you know what's going on? It's the time management of it all. Mm -hmm. And I have a I have a rule. So after 6.30, phone's away, yeah. no matter what, right? But then I have a call from my brother last night after 7.30. He has access to me whenever it's my brother. So now it's all stacked on top of each other. Right. It's the actual time that it takes that I don't get paid for, that my wife probably hates, but understands. Thank God she understands. And that takes away from my kids. Yeah. Because parents are so involved and focused on their kids. They don't necessarily think about Todd has a two year old and a four year old. And it's that part, it's the time management of it all. And so because the fires I put out, I actually love I thrive in those moments. <laughs> I love the I love the okay, what's the issue? Yeah. Let's figure this out. I actually love that part. There's nothing concerning about that. But it is the the time management and me wanting to be present with my kids. Well, you know, and, and as you kind of touch on that, people don't realize like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, my wife's birthday is in January, my birthday is in January, what we were talking about. And then if I coach club, I'm missing my daughter's birthday is in April, Mother's Day, Memorial Day in May. And then we got the live periods back for high school, Father's Day, yeah. missing that. Then 4th of July for EYBL to coach somebody else's kid. To co exactly. What do you have left? Exactly. And it's like to coach other people's kids and help put them on a platform. Um, so, so that balance is so important. And, and it's, it's, I think, one of, the, uh, one of the, the, the keys to being successful in this business is the ability to turn it off. Yes. Right? Um, so that, that's a great one uh, and great response. My next question to you is uh, what what makes you tick still? Like what, what when you wake up and you've got core workouts, all these things cooking today, what's like, okay, let's go. I'm fired up. Let's get this. Let's get after this today. Great question. Great question. I think it changes. It's changed throughout the years. You know, what, what used to make me go before I had a family and kids was the kids. Yeah. You know, like. Johnny was the reason I started core. Yeah. Because I was training Johnny at the time and he wanted to do this hybrid basketball school program. That's what made me tick. It's like, oh, I get to do something for someone else. I, there you go. I think that's the center of it is me being able to help other people. Yeah. That is at the root of who I am. I don't care who I come in contact with is how am I going to help another person today? And it's always at the detriment of myself, which I'm getting better at. I've gotten way better at. Um, but is how can I help the next person do better than me or get to their goal? Right. And ultimately, I, I I don't know. I think it's from how I was raised. Like, I raised in the house with a bunch of people. My mom just took people in, took kids in. So I was the middle child of four, but then we also had my six cousins live with me <laughs> most of my life. And so it's like, oh, how can I stay out of the way because I don't want to whoop in 
<laughs> be celebrated because there's yeah. not a lot of attention, right? And right. I'm not like attention grabbing person. It was like, oh, help people. My mom likes when I help clean up the kitchen or help with some kids' homework or do something. And I think it's that is like, oh man, if I help people, then everybody's happy. And I was I like happy stuff. So yeah, I get um, That's I think that's it. It's the the ability to wake up and help somebody. That's great. That's awesome. Yeah. You do a great job. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you got 24 seconds, okay? 24 second shot clock. So you can talk about, just give some advice to the people, uh, how people can reach you if they have questions, coaches who are, you know, interested in, yeah. in learning from you. Um, or, you know, you got LABC, your, the club team that you have, um, team why not, any of that stuff. But you only got 24 seconds. Done. So pick everything. That camera right there lets people know anything you want. You know, n n number one, um, understand that that basketball is an avenue to help you grow as a person um, and to pay, and, and it's part of your educational process. I think oftentimes we lose sight of the educational component and and realize in realizing that is going to carry, and and that those foundational pieces are so important and vital to your son's success. Um, Keep the main thing the main thing. They go to school for school and they play basketball because they love it and enjoy it and it's a passion of theirs. Don't lose sight of that. Push that, maintain that. Don't allow exterior motivations to interfere with the main thing. And I think that to me uh, is so important and, and I think uh, I, my hope um, is that, that that's where this thing continues to go and stays. And if I can be a resource to anybody, feel free to reach out, drabebo at hw.com. Um, whether it's AAU, club, high school, whatever, happy to help. Thank you. Appreciate you being on the show, Anytime, sir. Anytime, man. It was awesome. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. <laughs>